So in yesterday's episode, I made a strong case for why an NFT project would consider accepting fiat payments for their tokens. However, it is not all sunshines and rainbows. It is not all positive, but I was making the case for that yesterday. So today I'm going to balance things out by presenting all the negatives and making a case against accepting fiat payments. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So the number one thing that is against a project that uses fiat payments is that it's going to polarize the crypto community. Okay, maxis are entirely against fiat. Dirty fiat, as they call it. And that is a term I want to borrow from guys over at the Nifty Company, not associated with Nifty Business. But on their Bad Crypto podcast, one of the most early entry points that I've had into this whole crypto space, they often speak about dirty fiat. But it's not just limited to them. It is a lot of people that have that opinion that fiat is a huge problem. And in fact, that is why Bitcoin even came into existence. Not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, but if that is something that you are interested in, The Bitcoin Standard is something that is always in the show notes. That book really gives you the entire history of monetary policies and currencies and what have you. And as to why Bitcoin came into existence right after the 2008 financial crisis, I cannot recommend that book enough. And if you do use that link in the show notes, it does support the show and it doesn't cost you anything extra. But yes, a lot of people are against centrally controlled currencies of all forms, whether that is a CDBDC, which is a central bank digital currency, which is really about to make some news within the next three months or so. But then there's other beliefs about crypto that aren't even true. Some people still believe that it is way more private than using traditional forms of payment. And that is not true because there is a trail of all these transactions on the ledger, with the exception of some of the very limited use privacy chains. And then some people are still under the impression that it's going to be less taxes and so forth. But that is not true at all. Crypto is taxed in most of the developed countries. But one of the legitimate concerns about it is the fact that most of the time to accept fiat payments, you're going to have to rely on custodial wallets. And when I mean a custodial wallet, it means a wallet that the individual that is minting does not own the private keys. So usually they're using some sort of password and email or phone number to log into this platform. And anyone that has spent any amount of time in this space will tell you if it's not your keys, it is not your crypto, which basically means that if you do not have those private keys and some other company has it, you're at the risk of losing everything if that platform ever fails. Some of the more popular ones would be CrossMint, Paper.xyz, and even Wax. They have certain options where you can log in using that cloud wallet and accept whatever it is. So just imagine if one of these companies happens to go down, the best case scenario, there's going to be some downtime. It's going to be a little slow, or maybe their servers are lagging, what have you. Worst case scenario, it'd be like a central exchange, like FTX going down and losing all of their money. So a custodial wallet, is the exact opposite of a self-custodial wallet. A self-custodial wallet usually requires someone to store some sort of seed phrase so that they can recover that private key. That private key is that long string that you should never share anywhere. And that is how each of these wallets are validated and authenticated on the blockchain. So these self-custodial wallets are way easier to use, much more friendly for onboarding and what have you. However, that requires a lot more support and explaining. So that is the third drawback as to why a project might not want to consider fiat payments. There is way more customer support issues. Number one, explaining the simple fact that that is a centralized wallet and the person doesn't have the keys for it and is relying on that company staying afloat might require a little bit of explaining and education. 
and teaching them how to move those NFTs to another wallet, such as a MetaMask or an Anchor wallet, Phantom wallet, or on a ledger might require some time. Then, of course, there's going to be fluctuating prices. So someone who has been in this space for a while knows that crypto goes up and down. However, usually the people that are using CrossMint and Paper.xyz and these other fiat currency payment solutions are not people that are familiar with crypto and things going up and down. So just imagine someone mint something and they see that they paid $100, the equivalent of whatever it was that they minted. But then some news breaks, some exchange crashes and whatever. And the following day, they see that they're basically minting on the same site for $20 less. It's $80 now. So they feel a little bit upset trying to figure out, well, why did the price be lowered so much? And I just bought this for $100 yesterday. That's going to be a lot of customer support and explaining that crypto prices fluctuate and what have you. And a newbie is just really not going to understand that or grasp that, that they were an early adopter. They came into the project early and just a day before. And as a result, they're basically penalized. That doesn't make sense to most people. However, someone that has been in the crypto space for a while is used to dealing with market volatility. They won't even ask any questions about that. That is why that whole saying, well, one ETH is one ETH and things like that. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin is because whether it goes up or down doesn't matter. Their bag price or the value really hasn't changed because they're denominating that in whatever native cryptocurrency is. So it doesn't matter about the fluctuation. And that is how they're pricing everything anyways. But those newbies coming in, that is not how they see the world. Also, there's going to be integration problems. MetaMask at this point is pretty much something that almost every NFT collection collector has used or interacted with, whether or not you like it, it is still the most widely used wallet. So there's a lot of documentation on it. When things go wrong, connecting it to different platforms, dApps and so forth, bots and Discord, there is so much. Anything goes wrong is pretty much a guarantee that you can Google it and find someone who had that exact problem and you can give the solution within a matter of seconds. However, some of these platforms such as CrossMint and Paper.xyz, if someone has one of these, there might not be as much documentation figuring out why something is not connecting to a specific platform. And it might require a little bit more explanation, a little bit more handholding, or in many cases, referring them to third-party support. So CrossMint has their own team. They have their own Discord. Same thing as Paper.xyz and a few of the other ones that I've seen. However, it's just another layer and another step that might be frustrating to a newbie coming in. So that might be a little bit counterintuitive and counterproductive in the sense that the reason for going with this was to make it easier. But then in order to get support, you're going to have to go through that third party. So it's win some, lose some. There are drawbacks with all the positives. So all these different things have to be taken into consideration. It is not one size fits all. There are many different use cases and each individual circumstance and knowledge is going to be different. So hopefully you appreciate hearing that the other side of things. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this episode. Please feel free to leave feedback in whatever podcasting app you're listening to. I would greatly appreciate it. And of course, it helps out the show. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.